uh, six minutes after the hour, and we're glad you're with us here on the Around the House program. Good afternoon. Thank you, as always, for sharing part of your weekend with us here on the Around the House show. We would love it if you'd check in. I'm Ken Moon. We'll be here for a couple hours talking about that special place that you and I call home, and we'd love to get you involved with the program. Our phone number, easy, 719-473-1240. And as always, we have live email in the studio here at... um, uh, at, at the studio, roundahouse.com. I lost my kind of thought there. We're just talking about the football games uh, coming up. Philadelphia. What, what was the movie with Robert De Niro? He was a, a diehard Eagles fan, and they th- they eventually banned him from the stadium. Is that a Silver Linings playbook? Do I have that right? Anyway, Philadelphia fans, Eagles fans, are quite f- fanatic. That's where the word comes from, right? And uh, a little rabid, as we say so. The 49ers going to have their hands full, but it should be a good game tomorrow. Anyway, we are here for a couple hours. We're going to talk not about sports, but about whatever's going on around that house of yours. I want to spend a few minutes talking about snowbirds. If you're going to be a snowbird this winter, we're coming into the season where spring break is on the way and all that, that people tend to want to leave town. So we can talk about being a snowbird. I've got more updates on gas stoves and eventually getting rid of them and i and the news is not good i think we've got some some real problems coming when it comes to heating heating our homes. we'll talk about that a little bit whatever else is on on your mind so uh checking a lot of good email came in this week here's a, a little uh ditty that a friend of mine sent uh this is uh, there's a a noun lexophile l-e-x-o-p-h-i-l-e these are People that love words, love anagrams, palindromes, word games, puzzles, crosswords. You get the idea. Lexophile. Well, the New York Times has an annual lexophile uh, competition. Lexophiles are the kind of people that like things like you can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish. Those kinds of things. So I've got a a bunch of these. Now, if you're going to groan in the control room, you're going to have to close that window because I know that some of these are real grown, but they're very, very clever. So here's the New York Times submissions this year. Okay, you ready? I changed my iPod's name to Titanic. It's sinking now. Mm -hmm. England has no kidney bank, but it does have a Liverpool. Huh? What do you think about that? I know a guy who's addicted to drinking brake fluid, but he says he can stop anytime he wants. I got some batteries that were given out free of charge. I like that one. A dentist and a manicurist married. They fought tooth and nail. Got that one. That reminds me of an old, what's the old joke about two roommates in college. One was a taxidermist and one was a veterinarian. But when they got out of college, they were still best buddies, but they couldn't afford separate offices. So the taxidermist and the veterinarian got got a shared in office, and their motto over the door was, either way, you get your dog back. Remember that joke? Anyway, uh, let's see here. Uh, here's another one. With her marriage, she got a new name and address. Police were summoned to a daycare where a three-year-old was resisting arrest. If I paused longer, I know you'd get these. He had a photographic memory, but it was never fully developed. I, I get that one. I didn't like my beard at first, then it grew on me. Did you hear about the cross-eyed teacher who lost her job because she couldn't control her pupils? This one is the probably cleverest of all. When you get a bladder infection, you're in trouble. 
When chemists die, they bury them. There's only two more of these guys. You have to be patient. I stayed up all night to see where the sun went, and then it dawned on me. Huh? And finally, this this is this is the last one. You ready? I'm reading a book about anti-gravity. I just can't put it down. I like that one. Anyway, so but 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 I, I every week I pray to have drums and a cymbal in here, but they don't show up here in the studio. Anyway, those those are kind of clever. I I guess the New York Times has a little competition, and I I think my buddy Lewis sent it to me as I remember. Anyway. Let's see, 10 after the hour. Oh, it's a snowbird. I'll spend a couple of minutes talking about being a snowbird because this is uh, something that a lot of you do if you go away for maybe a week, maybe a month, or more even. And uh, you, you want to know how to take care of the house, what to do when you go uh, away. Uh, and this time of year, of course, with the unpredictable temperatures, it's going to be, I guess, really cold tomorrow. Where you know, Here we go. Warm, cold, warm, cold. You, We have to worry about the plumbing more than anything else in a house when we leave the house. And we don't want pipes to freeze. And we want to make sure that the house is going to be okay. One of the things w- you can do is you can go online. You can talk to your alarm company, talk to even talk to your cellular company. And you can get sensors and put them different places in the house, maybe two or three of them, one by the furnace and water heater, one upstairs, you know, wherever you think, maybe a crawl space, and they'll monitor the temperature, and you can adjust them to have them call your cell phone if the temperature gets too low, below a, maybe you might set it at 45 or something like that. So you'll know if the heat is off, if there's something wrong while the heat isn't circulating properly, whatever. So that's something you can do to, for a lot of peace of mind. But in the meantime, when you when you go away, and if, if you're going to go away for 10 days or less, you kind of ignore most of this. But two weeks or more or so, you want to make sure you kind of pay attention to the plumbing. First of all, you don't want to set your thermostat too low. And by too low, I mean less than about 55 degrees. Now, that sounds warm. Uh, and I can, you can make a case for that, but you want to make sure there's heat in the furthest reaches of your, I guess the word is farthest reaches of your house, under the cabinets and the corners of the faraway bedrooms and those kinds of things. So you might set your thermostat at 55, and if there's a big windy cold snap, there might be areas of your house that are below 50 degrees, let's say. So thermostat at 55 degrees, and you want to Take care that your plumbing is non-pressurized. Now, if if somebody's going to come in once or twice a week and flush the toilets and water your plants, and this discussion is really sort of moot, but if you're going to go away and nobody's going to come and look the house over, you want to cover your plumbing with Tupperware like in the showers and flush the toilets and get the water out of the toilet bowls. Uh, and so you don't, uh, if, if you leave the water in the toilet bowls, it eventually evaporates, leaves a big ring. The thing to do is just get a car wash sponge and a coffee can, get the water out of the toilet bowls and the tank. You know, you just flush it. Who cares about the tank? But get the water out of the toilet bowls. Take a plastic bag, which are becoming rarer and rarer now. You pretty soon we won't be able to find any. But I get a plastic shopping bag and shove it in the hole of each toilet. Tupperware over the drains so that they don't stink the house up. I think that's probably a pretty good idea. And then one thing that uh, people tend to forget, and even when you're not away if you're in your house. If you have one of those really cold sub-zero nights down in the single digits or below, it's a good idea 
to open cabinet doors on exterior walls under lavatories and the kitchen sink and so on to let some warm room air get in there. Uh, that's, that's a big deal. By the way, uh, so that kind of handles the plumbing. If if you're going to, uh, as I say, uh, the house is going to be totally sort of ignored, that somebody's not going to be coming in regularly, you want to turn off the main water shutoff in the, in the basement so there's no pressure in your system. So if there is a plumbing problem, like a freeze-up, there'll be no pressure to flood the house. So there, there's, you should know where the main water sh- if you don't know where it is you need to figure that out because in any emergency you want to be able to turn the water off in the entire house with just that one valve where the water comes in from the city uh, turn the water heater off including the pilot light totally off right because you don't want to waste energy and you don't want a pilot light on in a water heater where there's no water pressure uh, you can go to faucets and dribble a little water out so that uh, again you relieve the pressure in the system Uh, Make sure the ice maker isn't calling for water. You can lift up that little lever in the freezer compartment. That's a pretty good good idea. And then security lights. We need more and more worry about security. I like motion detector exterior lights because they don't waste energy, but they come on when they're needed. If if somebody gets near the house that's not authorized, uh, a burglar or somebody that's being a little nosy, the lights come on and there's a startled thing there that uh, they, they just work really well. I have motion detector lights all around my house and I, uh, I'm confident that not only when I come home do they come on, but they come on when unauthorized people are near the house. Of course, you want to plug a couple of lamps in, one in the living room, maybe one in the master bedroom, and make sure they go off by whenever you'd go to bed, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, something like that. Uh, and finally... From a security standpoint, keep the blinds open. The police, neighbors be, should be able to look in to uh, to your house while you're away. And of course, you want to tell your neighbors uh, that they um, uh, that you're going to be gone. Get your mail picked up, newspapers, that sort of thing. And finally, this is my self-serving comment: you want to turn a talk radio station on. Hopefully, this one pretty loud to see uh, to make sure there's a little noise or in in the house. Um, I know. Chris, unauthorized raccoons. Yeah. Matter of fact, I, I, I probably twice a week or, or more, I come home and my rear, uh, my rear uh, motion detector light on the back deck is on, and I'm assuming it's raccoons, cats wandering around the neighborhood, perhaps deer. Although deer at night they kind of settle down, they don't wander around. Uh, so. Yeah, they were, uh, motion detector lights work really well. So that's kind of a, a brief thing on on snowbirding, and we're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back. I want to talk about this gas stove thing uh, that's part of the climate change movement because it's coming down the road. If you think it's gone away, think again. We'll talk about that right after we take a break. Right here on Around the House, give us a call, 719-473-1240, right here on Around the House. Well, if you think about it, winter is the hardest season of all on your faithful garage door. The metal kind of shrinks and contracts, and if there's any issues with uh, being things being out of level or out of plumb, they're going to crop up in the winter. So I want you to get that garage door tuned up by calling Above the Rest Garage Door Repair Company, 719-499-0491. They have this great program called the Premier Membership Program. You sign up for it. It's really, I signed up for it. It's pretty inexpensive. Then they come twice a year to tune up your garage door, lubricate it, check it, 
adjust it if they need to, tighten the nuts and bolts, make sure it's operating as it was designed and engineered to operate and safely. So when you sign up for that membership, they'll waive the 150 trip fee for an emergency visit. So don't get trapped at home some morning. Call the Above the Rest Garage Door Company. Join the Premier Membership Program. You'll be glad you did. So uh, maybe sooner than you think, by the way, especially in the winter. Call them at 719-499-0491, Above the Rest. From your faucet to your furnace and everywhere in between, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Welcome back. 21, 22 minutes after the hour. We're glad you're with us. Thanks to uh, our folks up in Casper listening on KTWO, and we're glad you're you're with us. And, of course, our, our legacy main station, our flagship down here, and Colorado Springs, KRDO, AM and FM, we're glad you're with us. Give us a call, 719-473-1240. Another piece in the Wall Street Journal about the campaign to ban gas stoves. And it looked like, on the surface, this was going away. But it really isn't. This is uh, this is the, the climate people tend to fire these little tiny shots and then back off and, and get people all agitated and... and and then act like it's going away, but it's not going away. Kimberly Strassel, this is a pretty good article um, uh, the, uh, that I, I want to share with you because this is not going to end with gas stoves. This is just the first, the first, as I say, shot in the war against gas and fossil fuels. Pretty soon, they'll come for your furnaces and your gas dryer and your water heater, uh, and this is just the first. Show. So Kimberly, the Kimberly Strassel, who's a very thoughtful writer has been for years at the wall street journal she says the reason gas stoves are in the news is simple there is a coordinated calculated and well-funded strategy to kill them off it's the joint enterprise of extremely powerful climate groups working with the administration who have publicly stated their aim to eliminate all combustion appliances in homes only after the gop called them out did anyone pretend otherwise so that's gas dryers water heaters furnaces as well as gas stoves. Uh, the, there's a group called Rewiring America, the leading electrification nonprofit focused on electrifying our homes, businesses, and communities. And New York University's Institute for Policy Integrity, which last year called on the CPSC, the Consumer Product Safety Commission, to enact a gas stove ban. The stated goal of all these groups is killing gas to save the planet. Yet they also know Americans won't give up their stoves in the name of climate. So several years ago, this cabal hit on the idea of coordinating decades of science and ginning up hokey studies to talk about health risks with gas stoves to scare Americans and give government a pretext to ban gas cooking. There's a Rocky Mountain Institute out here. I think it's based in Boulder. Found a link between gas stoves and childhood asthma and uh, that you know that was that was one of the initial studies that was used to talk about the dangers of gas stoves that they create dangerous levels of indoor air pollution. When we common sense folks would say, if your kid's got asthma or respiratory issues, get an electric stove. Have a nice day. Big deal, right? But there is a move on to electrify our homes, which is kind of interesting because. Uh, the, if we electrify our homes, get rid of all gas, and buy an electric car, and they close down the power plants, which they are doing left and right, 
Nobody's thought this through, have they? So anyway, Kimberly Strassel goes on. The Biden administration is close to these groups, these these nonprofits, so to speak, and has wholly appropriated that health line that it's to get rid of gas stoves because of asthma and other issues with noxious gases in our house. The, la- the White House last week held an electrification summit, bet you didn't know that, which featured a panel on getting gas out of homes. And um, the uh, White House's Climate Policy Office described the need to eliminate emissions, but getting rid of all combustion appliances and houses, including your washer, dryer, furnace, and they forgot to mention water heaters. Uh, there is, according to the CPSC, sufficient information to pr- forbid Americans from purchasing new gas stoves. Uh, that's the CPSC, Pro- Consumer Product Safety Commission, and it initiated has initiated a request for information, which is bureaucratic speak for a first step toward a ban. The, these people will not stop the climate the climate Nazis, which is kind of a strong word, but the climate, let's say fanatics, uh, they want to ban gas stoves because that's going to be the easiest to start with, but they won't stop until all of our houses are electrified, heating, cooking, and uh, they won't stop until they decide what you drive, where you live, how you cook, and how you live your life. So uh, don't think this is going away. And if you, uh, you know, if you come home at night and it's cold outside and you're, Gas furnaces there chugging away, and your house is nice and warm and toasty. There are people around in the government and in nonprofit organizations, think tanks, and so on. They want to take that away, and you—it's going to keep coming down the pike. Natural gas is, is so interesting; it's such a clean burning, clean burning fuel. Uh, even the utility companies are in on the act. My one of my friends was talked into getting an electric heat pump, which is a terrible investment in our climate because heat pumps don't work well in a cold climate, by the utility company who's in on the on the gig of electrifying the homes. You know, they get the memos from the state and the federal government about push electricity, electricity, electricity. But the, but the interesting part of all this exercise goes like this. Which is more efficient and less expensive? Having a gas pipe come right into your house from the gas fields of Oklahoma and Texas, you light it on, uh, you, 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 you light it, uh, you have a pilot light that lights it inside your furnace and you heat your house, or having the gas go to the power plant, run through a gas turbine and have the heat go up the smokestacks so you lose efficiency there, run it through a transformer down wires, which you know, lose efficiency when you run things through transformers and wires. Uh, transforming it to a higher voltage, lower voltage in your neighborhood, wires running all over the neighborhood, and getting into your electric furnace. Which do you think is cheaper and more efficient? And, of course, the answer is natural gas as it comes into your home. But you watch. It's, they're going to try to get this out of, our, uh, out of our lives and out of our culture. The um, California now is... Um, as banning or considering banning, I don't know if they've done it finally or not, considering banning all new natural gas hookups in New York State also in new buildings, commercial and residential. Uh, and it's going to come to a utility company near you. So watch out. That's all I have to say. Um, uh, what does that say here, Chris? Gas in the home cut down on carbon monoxide buildup in the house. You know, there is a risk of carbon monoxide when you have gas appliances, but that's why we have carbon monoxide detectors. 
they're not when, with gas stove cooking there's nitrous oxide and some sulfur compounds that get in the air apparently that if you've got respiratory issues particularly little kids it can exacerbate and irritate uh, their linings and you know of their bronchia and lungs and noses and things and that's you know, nobody wants to have a sick child your kid has asthma maybe you just i'll bet most kids uh, most houses with kids with asthma don't have gas stoves but the government doesn't think that way they think if 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 a few kids are irritated by gas cooking then nobody should have gas stoves that's how they think restaurants i can't imagine what chefs would do without without gas stoves for cooking uh, that's vir- virtually universal in restaurants but this thing is not going away this is a first step to electrification of all of our culture in terms of cars and houses commercial buildings residential buildings and it's it's a it would be fine it wouldn't be fine but it would be better but if we had nuclear power on the horizon but we don't they don't like that either so i don't know where this power is going to come from it's not going to be a pretty picture in the years to come in terms of blackouts brownouts and not having uh, the convenience of having a clean burning fuel like natural gas in uh, in our houses it's going to it's going to be it's going to be bad at least um those of us that have those appliances now, I guess, are going to get to keep them until they until we can't until they say we can't, and then they're going to come retrofit them, and perhaps the uh, the government will pick up that tab. All it's just a it's a mess. But you watch the gas stove thing is just the first little shot in a war against fossil fuels and natural gas in our homes, water heaters, dryers, stoves, and most importantly, furnaces are going to go away eventually if we don't fight back and push back. Anyway, that's a that's enough of my soapbox for the day. We've got some interesting emails that came in. One of them that I really kind of liked was um, about garage refrigerator. This is kind of a pet peeve of mine because garage refrigerators can be a little touchy this time of year, so we'll talk about that and some other things. But we'd love to hear from you uh, today if you want to give us a call, 719-473-1240. We'll be back right after this, right here on Around the House. So stick around. You listen, you know, life, you know, it's cold now. Nobody thinks about AC, but life's too short not to have central air. And the reason I bring this up is there are new rules that went into effect on the 1st of January requiring much more expensive air conditioning systems from now on. The 13-seer air conditioners are going away. However, my buddies over there at Click Heating and Air have a limited supply. So once these are gone, new regulations will kick in. You'll be paying 1000 bucks or more for central air. So get in the queue right now. Give them a call at 719-782-5425 and tell them you want central air now before these supplies of these 13 sear air conditioners are gone in our climate 13 sear is fine but once these are gone as i say you're going to be paying a lot more so call them tell them you want central air at your house click heating and air i met these folks it's a family-owned company and they really have the systems down to get this in your house like right now ream get ream at your house and save money 782-5425 for click heating and air from your roof to your foundation and everywhere in between ken moon has solutions around the house give him a call now at 719-473-1240 that's 719-473-1240. Hey, it's 23 minutes before the hour on the Around the House program. Uh, I've been told I'm still the king of podcasts here at the station. We 
Uh, the podcast is very popular, and thank you. Chris will put up the podcast of today's broadcast sometime this evening. But And you're welcome to go back and look through since we uh, started uh, here at KRDO uh, first weekend in July, right? July 4th, kind of in there somewhere. Uh, and and I, actually, I looked. I was telling one of our executives here at the station yesterday, the Denver-based versions of the show going back five or six years are still available uh, the old Around the House program, I think at the iHeart site or whatever. You want to go back way back, but we have now seven or eight months uh, of worth of podcasts. You can download them. Uh, is it is it hour by hour? Is that how they're divided up, Chris? No, they're all together. One episode is all, okay, so it's like 80 minutes worth or something like that? Yeah, I put them all together into one show. Yeah. And are they, what's, what are they, how long? I've just never asked this before. 80 minutes or so, maybe? They're about 85 minutes. 85 yeah. minutes. Very good. Yeah. Anyway, they're right there. You can go to my site, aroundthehouse.com, and click on Listen to Podcasts or go to the KRDO site directly. So we're thankful and grateful for all the listenership of the podcast. It's great. So uh, have at it. And that's the new way to listen to radio. I'm an old terrestrial radio guy, but that's okay. Anyway, uh, let's move along here. Wes sent me an email uh, that's interesting. Um I've never heard this address before, Wes said. I've struggled to keep my garage refrigerator freezer at appropriate temperatures this winter. I've heard your suggestion to put a light bulb inside the refrigerator, and that mostly works. And it does. It works really well. I've got my friends doing it, uh, a low-wattage light bulb on 24-7 in the refrigerator side of your garage fridge keeps things kind of on an even keel. Um, But this west this emailer said during my refrigerator's defrost cycles the freezer still spikes to over the melting point i was curious enough about that i purchased some bluetooth thermometers and it looks like and he sent me these graphs he's really must be an engineer i guess uh it looks like the even though i've set the refrigerator and refreezer temperatures to the lowest coldest setting the high temp during the DeVros cycles still too high. Any suggestions? And I saw this, these graphs of his, and he's right. During the defrost cycles, which occur usually every six, so let's say four to eight hours, it depends on the uh, on the refrigerator. I think it depends on whether the, uh, the thermostat is calibrated. But four to six hours, roughly, are when defrost cycles happen. The temperature does indeed spike inside the freezer. If it didn't get above freezing then the frost and the ice wouldn't melt, and that's why you defrost in the first place. So if so, he showed me his little graph here, and the inside the freezer, the temperature got almost to 40 degrees Fahrenheit, but just for 15, 20, 25 minutes, something like that, then went right back down again. Now, that's how we defrost. We, we have to defrost above freezing, but the point is it doesn't stay there long enough to affect the food. So uh, Wes, I appreciate the graphs you sent me, but I think this is okay. Your refrigerator, your freezer especially, because that's where the frost and the ice are, is going to get a little on the warm-ish side, but for a very brief period as this defrosting occurs. You remember, I don't know, you guys in the control room are too young, but um, when we didn't have frost-free refrigerators, we just had manual defrost. We had to get all the stuff out of the uh, freezer and my mother would put a, a bucket, or not a bucket, a bowl of warm, hot water in there to melt the ice, and it would fall down, and she'd wipe it up with a cloth. That's how we used to defrost. Now it's automatic. But the principle is still the same. When you defrost a freezer, you have to get the temperature above freezing 
so that the ice and the frost inside the box will melt. So this is nothing to really worry about. You'll notice uh, sometimes when I come home, uh, I, I keep a little analog thermometer in my freezer compartment of my garage refrigerator, and sometimes I'll come home and open it up, and it'll say like, I don't know, 35 or 40, something like that. And you can, uh, kind of, if you listen carefully, kind of hear drip, drip, drip of the, of the uh, frost and the ice melting. That's all normal stuff. In 15 or 20 minutes, it's right back on again, and we go back down to freezing. So that's kind of the story with uh, with automatic frost-free refrigerators. You still have to defrost. It's just that instead of your mom doing it with a bucket of water, it does it automatically every four to six hours, and that's that's the story there. So get that light bulb in your garage refrigerator in the fresh food side. I have a uh, – I think I – what did I say, you guys? It was It's about a – it's a CFL, an old CFL light bulb that I think is rated at 60, 60 watts lumen. The lumens are rated at would be would be a normal 60-watt light bulb, but it only burns about 15 watts of electricity. And that 15 watts is just enough to add a little heat to the refrigerator so the garage fridge thinks, well, it's time to fire up again. Even though it's cold in the garage, we better fire up and get things uh, refrozen so that's, that's the trick with a garage refrigerator in the wintertime. In the summer, of course, you don't need to worry about it because the garage is warm and the refrigerator will behave uh, normally. So that's kind of that story. If you have any questions about that, 719-473-1240 is our telephone number. And uh, here's another good email that came in from John this week. He's in a 1965 house. And he says, when we run water in the kitchen sink, it apparently drains into the same pipe as the washing machine on the lower level, causing flooding. This has happened several times, and uh, we're not sure what's, what's going on. Well, the, 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 the point is that 1965 plumbing is uh, smaller plumbing than we have now. In the, in the 60s and earlier, we used inch-and-a-half pipes for the kitchen sink, and for the washing machine, now two inches is required. So sometimes, you know, now 1965 is a long time ago, 60-ish years ago, and almost 60 years ago. And so there's a lot of buildup in the washing machine, lint, grease from the kitchen sink line. So I think this is kind of normal uh, in the, in a house with a smaller plumbing pipe sizes. So the thing to do is to get a, a plumber in there to scour out that line that serves the kitchen sink and the washing machine, I think that would be all you need to do because uh, no matter how you know, no matter how much lint accumulates in your dryer, a lot of lint goes down the drain when you're washing clothes, and it gets stuck down there in the plumbing and the kitchen sink. Of course, is notorious for grease buildup and food buildup and so on. So I would get that line scoured out. But remember, with an older house like that, you have smaller plumbing pipes than we have now, and also. Now we use all plastic pipes, which are a lot smoother on the inside than copper or cast iron that we used in previous generations. So that is a – and people, when you think about sewer lines and rotor-rooters, and that rotor-rooter is a trade name, like scouring out and cleaning sewer lines, we think of the main sewer line, but the branch lines, especially the kitchen and laundry, need to be cleaned out from time to time. So there you go. Quarter till the hour. I'll take another break. We'll be back. Right after this, got some more great emails from this week, and we'll look at those right after this, right here on Around the House.
Well, I'm kind of excited. I talked to Gary from Dutch's Home Improvement this week, and he's going to be here on the air with us in the next couple of weeks or so. He's going to let me know. This is a good company. Dutch has been around over 30 years. You've heard their name. I know you have in town. And it's time for new windows at your house. If you have older, inefficient steel, wood, or aluminum windows from bygone decades, you're wasting a lot of it. We're just talking off the air about how expensive utilities have become. So you want to save energy where you can. And new, efficient vinyl windows from Dutch's Home Improvement is just the ticket. 719-392-1369. They'll get some new windows on your house before you know it. it. They're very good at this. They have the best installers in town. And your house will look younger than its actual age. It'll kind of dress up the front with new vinyl windows from Dutch's. So give them a call. Dutch'sHomeImprovement.com or 719-392-1369. Save energy winter and summer with new vinyl windows from Dutch's Home Improvement. Once again, 719-392-1369. Need help with your next home project? Back to Around the House with Ken Moon. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. 11 minutes before the hour on the Around the House program. Janie, just looking at today's email. By the way, they have live email in the studio here at aroundthehouse.com. Second button from the left. Janie sent me an email. She was reacting to my list of these those corny lexophile play on words, things I read at the beginning of the hour. She said, this isn't a joke. Apparently, she knew two brothers. <laughs> this is kind of sick. One was a mortician and one was a doctor. We always said the mortician buried his brother's mistakes. That's pretty cruel, don't you think? Oh, man. But she starts off by saying this is not a joke. Well, I don't know. I hope it wasn't a member of your family, just somebody you knew, but... Yeah, that's um, that's a little harsh, isn't it? 719-473-1240. Uh, this is from, who is this from? Oh, Tom. We've lived in our one-story ranch home for 20 years. This summer, I just noticed two hairline cracks in the concrete wall of our unfinished basement. One of the cracks runs diagonally from the bottom of the window, and the other crack on the opposite side of the room runs vertically in the concrete wall. Do I need to be concerned about these? And I... That's a great great question. Concrete cracks, generally speaking, if they're flat, if they're not risen, if they're not displaced from each other, one's higher than the other, whether we're talking about a vertical wall surface or a horizontal floor surface, if they're flat, that means they're really, they're nothing but stress cracks uh, and not to really worry about them. It's when they separate one high, one low, whether it's, on, as I say, the floor or the wall, that we start to get concerned because there's extra stress there. In a concrete wall of your basement, there's a bunch of steel rebar in there, and that kind of holds the wall together from, uh, from you know, misbehaving. So Tom's emailed me back and said, no, they're nice and flat when I run my hand across them. So not to worry. But I did say, and this is interesting, we, we kind of worry about diagonal cracks much more than we worry about straight line uh, vertical cracks. Uh, and the reason is there's some differential stress there, especially from the corner of a window. So uh, by differential stress, I mean different stress uh, different stress vectors, if you will, different stress pushing on the wall, different amounts of push uh, from, from you know here and then 10 feet away. And uh, that differential stress is, creates these diagonal cracks. And so that usually indicates water issues. There's some kind of drainage problem outside, downspouts dumping in the wrong place, the dirt has sunk, and so there's a puddling uh, situation going on there, that sort of thing. So we really are concerned uh, when we uh, when we see. Now, 
we're only a minute ago I said we're not concerned if the cracks aren't separated. That's true, but we want to know where'd they come from. And a diagonal crack like this means is coming from water stress, hydrological hydraulic stress rather. And so go outside and and when you see a crack like that, look for a low spot puddling ponding maybe a sprinkler zone valve box or a, 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 a outside faucet is leaking almost always though it's a downspout issue that's where most of the water about 80 percent of the water that impacts your house and can do mischief comes from the downspout so if you get the downspouts under control you've done most of what you need to do but if there's cracks and and we also always talk about how quickly did they start now he said that it started this summer in a house that's 20 plus years old we always kind of wonder why do they just pop up now versus when the house is first built and the answer is usually water so you got to check outside make sure your drainage is okay and downspouts and all that stuff i just mentioned so uh cracks cracks are a little bit of remember the old uh metaphor of the canary in the coal mine it's not a metaphor it's an actual thing that miners used to have uh, birds in cages in in the mines so that uh, birds would uh, fall over from carbon monoxide, and the miners knew to get the heck out of the mine. So the canary in the coal mine here are stress stresses in your concrete foundation walls, which indicate a warning about water issues. Email here from Steve. <clears throat> Let's see. My girlfriend's getting a furnace tomorrow, and after asking about a permit, the installer says only about 3% request permits, which I think is kind of, kind of interesting. So she wonders if it's worth getting uh, the the permit. Uh, the At my house, the AC condenser is going to be moved, which will require a new electric service line into the basement. Should I get permits for that? The answer is yes, yes, and yes. I You know, I know permits can be a hassle. And the one, one of the reasons people don't bother with them, they've heard all the horror stories. Uh, the city inspector didn't show up. I took the day off from work or uh, all a, a thousand excuses why permits by the city and inspections are a hassle and it's you know having been a builder for a long time yeah they can be a little bit of a hassle but it's the law it's part of the system and so i emailed steve back and i said yeah i get these get the permits you'd really need to do that because it's going to come up later it's bound to come up when you sell the house or when your girlfriend sells her house maybe you guys are going to get married and you'll you'll move into a totally different house and you're going to sell these houses perhaps uh, so I'm not trying to matchmake here, but I'm just uh, thinking about what might happen. And so it'll come up. A home inspector will come in there and say, oh, man, there's a new furnace in here. Uh, where'd that come from? And where's the inspection? Where's the permits? Or you had a new air conditioning system put in or you moved it, that kind of thing. So when you need to get a permit, go ahead and get it. it it'll, it'll save you a lot of hassle and heartache now. So it won't come up later. So yeah, the permits uh, are really a big deal especially in this age where home inspectors uh, pay attention to that kind of thing. And, uh, it, it's, it's just, it'll come up. And when it does, then the realtors get all upset and fussy and uh, maybe your closing's delayed. Oh, man, we got to get the permits. And the city hates it. Trust me, the city will be a lot tougher on you uh, on a d- permit that never was pulled in the inspection versus doing it in the proper sequence. The city will, uh, the city didn't like to come out and, and uh, make up for somebody that, intentionally violated the rules if you get what i'm saying let's see here what do we got here lynn says i have newer vinyl windows in my house lately we've been noticing excess condensation on the sills what could be going on 
Well, you're either producing more moisture than you should or you need more ventilation. I don't know if you have a humidifier in your house. That's the first thing I would look at. As the outside temperature decreases, you got to turn down your humidifier, whether it's a central humidifier on your furnace or a humidifier maybe in your bedroom, like a cold steam humidifier. If it's cold air holds less moisture than warm air. So uh, if you go downstairs where you're humidifier there's a control there and there usually with a is a little chart alongside of it and it gives a column of outside temperature versus humidity setting and when it gets down below 20 degrees fahrenheit or so you got to turn down your humidifier down to maybe 25 or 30 percent whereas you more most most times in the winter in more moderate temperatures you're running it at 35 or 40 percent so that could be what's going on here um other culprits can be uh, you're bathing and showering without turning on the bath fans, or maybe you're doing a lot of cooking and don't turn the kitchen hood on. Uh, on and sometimes kitchen hoods, of course, don't vent outside anyway. Uh, the the thing we would worry about the most here, and this may or not be the case with you, but check your attic and crawl space vents. These, if they're not ventilated properly, this can uh, create all kinds of issues inside the house, mainly raising the humidity in your house and getting the condensation on your windows that you're talking about. Most attics are a little underventilated to begin with. We don't put a lot of uh, – we probably don't put quite as much ventilation as we ought to because builders are worried about snow blowing in and that kind of thing. So make sure you check your your uh, crawl space. You want to leave at least one crawl space vent open in the winter and open them all up in the summertime. Stick your head up in the attic and look for any kind of staining or a dark plywood on the underside of the roof, which would indicate excess moisture up there. So those are just some ways to look out for excessive moisture, which may be, uh, may be the problem. I have a feeling it's the humidifier in your furnace, though. That's most often the culprit. As it gets really cold outside, below 25, 20 or 25 Fahrenheit, start turning down the humidifier or you're going to get condensation for sure. Thanks, Lynn, that's a good... That's a good question. I'm glad we got to cover that today. Well, it's time for the news. We'll be back with uh, part two of Around the House right after that. You can give us a call, 719-473-1240, and live email at aroundthehouse.com. We'll see you right after the news. minutes after the hour part two of around the house glad you're with us here uh listening here on krdo am and or fm or both at the same time matter of fact i go back guys you would not remember this because we're talking we talk about mid 60s or something when stereo first came out uh stereo records came along i think 1957 58 or something when stereo came on the scene i was working for an am fm station back in springfield mass okay and we had the, the this company called Del Padre Electronics. Well, they sold great stereo gear for the time. You know, well, you know, a 12-inch subwoofer, uh, 40 watts was a huge deal in those days. But they wanted to sponsor a stereo hour to promote their stereo equipment, you know, amplifiers and stuff. So listen to this. We would have uh, one stereo channel on the AM and one on the FM. And so at home... 
you'd get an AM radio over here and an FM radio over here and listen to stereo at one high quality, high uh, you know, good frequency response on the FM side, and the AM a little mushier and so on, as as you as you're aware. So that was my introduction to stereo broadcasting. You'd have a headphone on and uh, have have the left channel on FM and the right channel on AM. We've come a long way, baby. Since uh, what did I start? Why did I even bring that up? Do you know? I I can't even remember why I brought that up. I just I just thought it was a, a something a little factoid that you'd be interested in. Oh, I just took in general in broadcast how things have changed over the years. You know, then we became then uh, of course I came from the era when AM radio was top forty, and everybody listened to AM. FM was sort of an afterthought. Uh, people, you know, they were low power and nobody uh, had FM radios in their cars, of course. That didn't come along until, what, the early 70s, maybe mid-70s, something like that. Early 70s. And so AM was a big, big deal. And then, of course, FM exploded, I think, in the 70s and onward. And, of course, because we could do stereo uh, and FM. Now we have FM subchannels. We can broadcast four or five different signals, right, on an FM uh, transmitter. What's that? Uh, HD is HD radio is that sort of not caught on um, HD radio you, you don't see that uh, some car manufacturers would put HD in right? high definition I haven't heard much about it now do you remember quadraphonic does that ring a bell do you remember it Matt yeah I I can't remember how he did that it was it was four channels of audio uh, uh, yeah, back two fronts and two backs over one FM station. I think I'm all right, uh, and that was, I think we're talking '60s there. But quadraphonic, of course, H. That was, that was the first, uh, surround sound. Okay, yeah. Of course, I remember eight-track tapes like it was yesterday, and cassettes came along. We thought cassettes were pretty cool, and uh, on onward technology goes. Right. What do you do with your old VHS tapes and? And CDs, right? Anyway, so that's off the topic. But I, it, you know, just how long I've been in radio. Uh, well, we were talking about podcasts, which is great. I'm glad you're all listening to the podcast. Uh, so that's become kind of the growth part of of, of radios, especially talk radio. Well, not just talk radio, but uh, every everybody's doing a podcast. There's just thousands and thousands of people doing podcasts, and I. Uh, I'm so grateful that you all are listening to the podcast of Around the House. And as I said before, Chris, and sometime this evening, we'll get the podcast of today's broadcast uh, in the queue, as we say. And so uh, you can go back and listen segment by segment if you've missed something along the way. Anyway, good to have you with us. 719-473-1240. Another shout out to our buddies and uh, boy friends, uh, buddies. How about boys and girls up and up in Casper listening on, on KTWO? We're so glad you're you're with us here on the program. Now, we t- the Casper time shifts the program, so it's on later in the afternoon. So any of you listening in Casper that want to call in live, you can do that 1 to 3 p.m. Mountain Time, any any Saturday you want, and we'll get you on the air. So, And that phone number is 719-473-1240. Okay, carriage return. Bill says, my daughter lives in a condo. The next door neighbor smokes and the odor seeps into her unit. She doesn't know what to do. I yeah, I can understand. You know, I'm getting this. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, I'm. I was a smoker. I quit uh, over almost 40 years ago. Now I'm glad I quit. I probably wouldn't even be here if I hadn't quit. 
But I'm starting, you know, now for me, smoking, which people are irritated for, I'm now smelling marijuana. I drive around town and through these marijuana zones, which is, uh, again, by itself kind of irritating when there's a lot of uh, dispensaries, as we say, around, uh, particularly going up Knob Hill, right? You guys have driven up there? Yeah. Um, But smoke, you know, listen, tobacco smoke in a uh, closed condominium. I understand this, Bill, your daughter has a has a hard time condos uh theoretically are well isolated from each other they have to have fire rated drywall between each unit so if one burns down the other one won't that's the theory and this can take the form of two layers on each side of uh, each of the wall common wall uh and it, it, different configurations but generally speaking a, a very thick and fireproof wall between condos and uh we're there's not supposed to be any communication between from one condo to another. In other words, we don't have out electrical outlets backing up uh, to each other, uh, that sort of thing. And uh, But there could be some interplay between the kitchen hood fans or the bath fans in these units. Um, and that could be part of what's going on here. If the bath fan from your neighbor's unit and your daughter's unit kind of join together and go outdoors or they discharge near each other, that can be a problem. Uh, you might also have her check or have you could check for her uh, are there furnace combustion air intakes uh, close together uh, that's because we we sometimes depending on the configuration of the furnace we suck air in to satisfy the f- oxygen of the, f- the furnace uh, needs to uh, burn the gas uh, to burn the natural gas uh, dryer vents being close together that can be a problem so i think we need to check the ventilation the outdoor ventilation between the dryer vents kitchens hood kitchen hood fan bath fan vents combustion air intakes try to isolate it uh that way um but here's the thing so you can kind of do the common sense stuff uh, uh that way and, and see if there's any possibility of your neighbor her neighbor blowing uh smoke laden air out and your daughter furnace sucking it in that sort of thing and you might be able to accommodate that but here's the thing bill homeowners association this is precisely what they exist for as a general rule homeowners associations are in charge of more than one unit so if your daughter has a problem with her neighbor then the hoa needs to get uh, involved and they need to do the detective work and whatever mediation is necessary. And the other thing is that strikes me about your email, Bill, is this, that if your daughter's having this kind of trouble, other people in the complex may be having similar problems. So you might have her talk to neighbors and see if they've had a similar kind of issue. There might be some kind of design flaw in the ventilating and combustion air and the HVAC systems that are commingling uh, the, this, the air between these between these units now i assume your daughter bill has made sure that there's no residual smoke on her walls or in her carpet or drapes because smoke tobacco smoke is electrostatic pardon me i have to take a drink of water here that's forgive me for that that's terrible uh etiquette on a broadcast but i did it anyway (laughs) anyway uh, smoke particles are very electrostatic that is they cling to drywall painted surfaces and so make sure if, if she hasn't done this already, and maybe you could help her do a sniff test on the walls. Do you smell any tobacco smoke 
uh, in her walls or in her carpet or in her drapes because maybe she uh, is there a possibility that she hasn't been there very long and the previous owners perhaps uh, were smokers. So I, those are just some ways to check it out. But the bottom line is when it all comes, push comes to shove, you want to make sure that the HOA gets involved if they need to because there may be some kind of an issue uh, of air intakes and outputs from the two units that you're talking talking about so that's a good that's a good one that's a good email very irritating the trouble with living next door to smokers you can't get away from it right i mean until they move or something and so she has to be able to enjoy the premises and between you and the hoa you should be able to get her some relief 16 minutes after the hour time for a break we'll be back with your phone calls and emails we have a a line open at 719-473-1240 right here on around the house We have a new sponsor here on the program, Click Heating and Air, a great HVAC company. They offer a special deal to my listeners, a full furnace service for only 79 bucks. That's a $20 discount if you mention this commercial. And they also have those great April Air humidifiers starting at only six and a quarter installed. But the big news here is they have a limited supply of 13 Sears Central Air Conditioning Systems available right now. Once these are gone and the new federal regulations kick in, you'll be paying over $1,000 more for Central air so if you don't have central air at your house trust me you need this and i want you to call them right now at 719-782-5425 and ask click heating and air about getting a new 13 sear air conditioner at your house while the supplies last only for a limited time now so call them 719-782-5425 they have a terrific really cool website interactive pricing website at clickheatingandair.com give them a call tell them i sent you click heating and air 782-5425 Things break around the house. That's why there's the Around the House program with Ken Moon. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. It's 20 minutes after the hour on the Around the House program. Uh, Let's see here. Mike says, I have a large room with the old popcorn ceiling. I have shadows when light hits it a certain way. Do I need to remove and re-texture? Well, it depends. You know, I, I don't have a photograph of what's going on here. Generally speaking, a shadowy area, well, it could be two things. Uh, and I see this a lot. If, if it's been a long time since your popcorn ceiling was painted, you may have stripes on it, kind of dusty stripes from the trusses because the trusses are colder than the rest of the attic. So the moisture condenses and the, and the dust settles on these and it'll be two exactly 24 inches apart kind of grayish stripes on the popcorn that could be one thing you're seeing another thing could be just high and low areas of the texture that maybe when they textured the uh, when they when we drywall a ceiling there's when the one sheet of drywall butts against another we have to float that with uh with a big you know trowel and we usually takes two or even three separate floats and that makes a little bit of a high spot from the surrounding flat drywall if you see what i mean just a little bit high and that can be uh when you then you texture the ceiling and that could be a little shadow look especially if it's been a long time since the ceiling's been painted i don't know which you have now uh the, the 
back to the stripes from the trusses, those 24-inch apart stripes, uh, they can just be painted over. The high-low spots, if there are indeed, uh, and we're not talking about a lot of high-low, but just a l- enough to reflect the light in a different way, those can't be cured. That's a cure worse than the disease kind of idea. You can't scrape that off. So here's the thing. if it had, I think it's a good idea to get this ceiling painted. If it's been a while... Uh, it probably needs to be painted to cover. You don't really need to clean it very much. You might uh, get one of those Swiffer dusters, you know, with the extension pole and get rid of the cobwebs and things. But generally speaking, you can paint right over uh, the accumulated dust and pollution on a popcorn ceiling. Uh, people talk about, should we remove it? And that's a, that's kind of a close call. I always try to say don't remove it, especially if it's an older one built, uh, if your house is built before the the late 70s you might have asbestos in there so it's best to leave it alone because when you scrape it all off it, first of all it makes a huge mess when you do get rid of popcorn ceilings you may be left with a bigger mess because then you'll then the uh you may have to refloat those same seams because the guys would i don't want to get in the weeds here but when the drywallers know that a big thick layer of acoustic or popcorn ceiling a ceiling's going to be covered with a, a thick layer of this stuff. They might not take as much time with the seams as they might on a wall surface when there's going to be nothing but a very light texture, if any. So if you scrape off the popcorn ceiling, you may see joints that need to be retaped with the trowel and the mud. It just may make a bigger project for you than you realize. So it's best to leave acoustic ceilings alone. To paint over them, you can use a good semi-gloss or eggshell you don't want to use a flat paint because more dust and pollution will stick to it if it's a flat paint uh use a satin or i wouldn't use semi-gloss an eggshell or satin you can dilute it 25 percent with warm water so it's a little thinner but you got to spray it on i would not try to roll on a popcorn ceiling it just makes too big a mess uh don't even think about doing that Bottom line, it's best to hire a professional painter to come in and paint your popcorn ceilings. They know how to tent things off and mask things off and so on. It's, it's you know, I'm not going to say it's, it's really inexpensive, but you'll get a professional job. And you'll be very pleased with how bright it makes the rooms. Uh, you, you, you're probably not even aware of how much pollution and dust is accumulated on your popcorn, uh, popcorn ceiling. It just kind of gets dingy and faded and grayish yellow you know it just doesn't reflect the light like it used to so get her painted with with a good uh, white uh, eggshell or satin finish i think you'll be very happy uh, with that but that's kind of what's going on the shadowing if it's from high and low spots nothing you can do about it if it's from the trusses uh, striping the the wall the ceiling surface that'll, that'll go away when you when you repaint 719-473 1240 is our telephone number, and uh, we'd like to have you check in with us here and give us a uh, give us a holler. And anything that's on your mind, we uh, would love to hear from you. And also live email at aroundthehouse.com. Jim says during a high wind, and this is very common, something in the attic chatters and vibrates. We can't pin it down. Any ideas? Well, it's almost always the attic access panel. Uh, what happens, you know, you remember from high school physics, something called the Bernoulli principle. When when a wind blows over something, it creates a lower pressure and blah, blah, blah. But I don't, don't want to get, again, off into the side uh, rabbit hole here in, in a little sidebar that's too complicated 
uh, I want to stick to the point here, and that is there's a little negative pressure in your attic when the wind blows, and it wants to suck up on that attic access cover. And as the wind blows and and speeds up and slows down, you get a little differential pressure up there, and that's where that vibration comes from. Uh, it can lift and drop and lift and drop the panel, which drives you nuts, especially since most most attic access panels are like in your master bedroom. Can you still say master bedroom? I hope you can. Anyway, master bedroom closet uh, keeps you awake at night. So there's a couple of things you can do here. You can simply uh, you you could uh, take get a step ladder, get up there and shove the attic access panel aside. And then get some foam, sticky-backed weather stripping to put around the edge so the drywall attic access panel now rests on some foam insulation. That can really help. Uh, if it doesn't help, the next step is to add a little weight on the top of the attic access panel. Get yourself a couple of chunks of 2 by 4 maybe, I don't know, 8, 12 inches long, and glue them to the top side of the attic access panel. Create a little extra weight to hold it in place. Uh, and sometimes I've seen people do this. They'll get actually screen door locks, the little hook locks, and lock that baby in place. That's kind of overkill. Uh, so I, I would try either the weight or the or the cushion of the uh, foam insulation. I think that would uh, uh, that would help. Um, and if if none of this helps, then you may have some rattling going on from vents in the attic itself. You know, we have uh, on the top of the attic we have the uh, what some people call turtle vents, those square roof vents on top of the roof, and they can work loose and start vibrating in the wind. Also, we have vents where the bath fans go out, maybe the kitchen fan goes out, sometimes even the dryer vent goes out through the attic. And each of those vent covers that sit up on the roof, uh, they their flashing can work a little loose and uh, and maybe do a little vibrating. So that would be the next uh, next chunk to look at. But Anyway, that's kind of the story with vibrating attic access panels. It always occurs in the middle of the night. You can't get back to sleep, and who wants that, right? 719-473-1240. That's our contact uh, line here, and we'd delighted be delighted if you give us a, uh, a holler or, as I say, live email at aroundthehouse.com. The aroundthehouse.com website, of course, is my website where – there's a listen live button there. You can listen uh, anywhere you, you happen to be, listen to the program live. And, of course, the podcasts are there. Also, uh, the podcast going back, as I indicated before, uh, to roughly the first weekend in July. Lucille. I love that name, Lucille. That's a great song, huh? Little Richard song. Yeah. And Lucille Ball, of course. Who, who can forget her? Lucille says, should you have the ducks cleaned, ducts cleaned in a 30-year-old house? I've had people ask if their ducks should be cleaned by the old spell checker, D-U-C-K, get them clean. You should clean your duck, but I'm worried more about ducts, right? You know, you do both, right? D- depends how dirty they they are. Uh, and, and, and here's the thing with duct cleaning. It's sort of oversold, if I can use a euphemism. A lot of furnace companies will... Uh, promote duct cleaning when it's not really all that necessary uh, so you need to look at your ducts yourself you can do this several different ways you can get a little swivel mirror on a i have one of on my workbench a little uh, like inch and a half diameter mirror on an extension uh, rod that you you know pull out collapsible extension uh, handle on it you can get a bright flashlight and look at your ducts just shine it down through there some people it, would use their cell phone 
you can get your cell phone camera, turn it on, and take three or four pictures of each of the ducks, maybe in a couple, two or three different rooms, and look and see if there's a layer of crud on the inside of your ducks. In a 30-year-old house, Lucille, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a, a close call, okay? Uh, there may be some dust in there, and it depends how, how the house has been maintained. If you change your furnace filter regularly, then there'll be a lot less problems inside uh, inside those ducts. And usually, uh, you all you'll see is clean sheet metal, galvanized sheet metal. And uh, that's so if that's the case, just ignore your, your ducts. But you can look at it yourself. If you need to get them cleaned, if there's a layer of crud on the inside of your ducts, I would get a referral from your furnace company. Now, the furnace company may do it themselves. Most don't. Most will refer it out to somebody they really like. And you, know, you always want to get a referral from your favorite vendor. Uh, you know, if you uh, another good example is if you have a plumber you really trust and like, get a referral for sewer cleaning, that kind of idea. Same thing here. Use your furnace guy that or, or company that you like to get a referral for duct cleaning. But again, cell phone, swivel mirror, bright flashlight, do this at night when there's less ambient light around. I think you'll find probably in most cases you don't need to clean your ducts. You just need to change that furnace filter once a month during the heating and cooling season that's all you need to do but i'm glad you're you're uh, kind of concerned about this lucille it shows you're taking care of that old house of yours and want to make sure that it's up to snuff oh by the way on a furnace filter don't get those cheap fiberglass meshy ones they're useless get the get the um, the corrugated paper style uh and uh, accordion style you know what i mean you see them in the grocery stores and walmart and all over the place accordion paper style captures really small particles and keeps you healthier especially if you got pets in your house make sure to use a good furnace filter all right it's uh 29 minutes before the hour we'll be back uh, with more phone calls and email uh on around the house right after this stick around how the windows at your house that hacienda of yours if they're ugly old windows from bygone years like wood from the 80s and aluminum from the 70s maybe even steel windows from the 50s or 60s i don't care if you have storm windows or not they're not energy efficient i want you to call dutch's home improvement a name i know you've heard around town because they've been around more than 30 years they're fully licensed insured naturally use the best installers in town and they'll get some new energy efficient vinyl windows on your house before you know it and you'll save energy not only in the winter but in the summertime if you're air conditioned keep your house cooler in the summer uh, they have the best brands of vinyl windows, and uh, it'll you know it, there's a side benefit. It'll make your house look younger than its actual age. But the point is, energy is getting more expensive. Temperature goes down, your energy bill goes up. So call Dutch's Home Improvement at 719-392-1369. 719-392-1369 or Dutch'sHomeImprovement.com, and tell them Ken Moon sent you. Fix-It videos can be so confusing. Let Ken Moon walk you through it on Around the House. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. It's 23 minutes before the hour on Around the House. We're glad you're uh, glad you're with us. And if you want to check in with us, 719, like the nice lady said, 719-473-1240. Live email at aroundthehouse.com. Second button from the left. Uh, Nell, uh, Nelson, I guess this is, uh, says, uh, some pipes have been leaking under my kitchen sink. Uh-oh. Now there's some feathery black stuff that looks like mold. Is it dangerous? Well, uh, I, I don't, probably not. 
but you should get it out of there and clean it up and kill it and and and, and get the moisture gone and clean that whole area up so uh turn off the water if you got to go downstairs in the main water supply uh, valve to turn all the water in the house off fine maybe you just need to reach under there and, and put a mask on it's a good idea to put a mask on and turn off the hot and cold just to, so the water source goes away here's the thing about mold mildew any fungi uh you it needs moisture to survive so turn the water off stop the leak but don't blow any air in there or ventilate it with a fan or anything because you'll blow mold spores all over all over the kitchen so just let it dry out with normal evaporation and then we want to treat the contamination before you get a plumber in there now you may not need a plumber it may simply be a washer or something that's neither here nor there but once it dries out by normal evaporation this might take a couple of days uh, it's in, in the winter time now our ambient humidity is pretty low so it might only take a 24 hours or so get some uh, uh again put that mask on some rubber gloves and uh pull as much of that stuff out with paper towels as you can throw in plastic bags and throw it away i want you to get some hydrogen peroxide or bleach under there to kill all those mold spores and wipe that down just to make sure that everything's dead and and disinfected and uh and then you want to put that primer sealer on we always talk about kills or bullseye one two three those are shellac based products that will kill any residual mold spores or mold contamination that you have so that's kind of the sequence here uh stop the leak grab as much of the you say it's feathery black mold grab it with uh, a damp paper towel and get all of the chunks of mold out of there that you you can uh, seal them in plastic bags and throw them away then let it uh, evaporate ventilate and evaporate hydrogen peroxide or clorox uh, cover it with bullseye or kills primer and then the secret here because kitchen sinks the area under your kitchen sink it always has moisture under there sometimes it's simply you use that trigger uh, spray hose and the water will dribble down on that hose and get under the sink and there's just too much opportunity for water to leak under there maybe you have a bad plumbing pipe the disposal breaks down it starts to leak there's a, a dozen reasons why water would accumulate under a kitchen sink so it's a good idea to put a piece of vinyl flooring under there cut a piece that will you can probably get a scrap from a tile store they might not even charge you for it if it's just a piece of waste of vinyl but cut it to you know to the proper size you might need to cut it in half and then put it in there and tape it down that's the kind of idea but if you get that non-porous waterproof layer under there then you don't really care what happens under the kitchen sink there's a leak you you know you you catch it when you catch it and it doesn't do a lot of damage because there's always a wood floor under your kitchen sink that if it gets wet will start to swell and and buckle and react to moisture so that's kind of the story uh i don't think this mold is particularly dangerous but i wouldn't want you to spread it all around the house either so no ventilation under there other than natural normal uh, evaporation so uh kill it seal it cover it up that's all you need to do with with mold in almost all cases remember that mold you can't see is not part of the indoor air environment so don't worry about it uh it to you know other than if you've got family members that are very susceptible to mold that's another issue but there's only uh roughly 10 to 15 percent of the population that has real mold allergies everybody else is fine and so 
There you go. Let's see. 719-473-1240 is our uh, phone number. Paul says, I'm thinking of adding blown insulation in the attic. Most of the recessed light fixtures are not covered up. Is it okay to cover them? Um, uh, you, there, there are two types of recessed electrical fixtures in your attic. The recessed cans, we call them. One's approved to be covered and one isn't. And there's a special designation. And I can't remember. There's a, a double initial. Uh, and I'll look that up in a second. But if you don't have, listen, even if you have the kind that you're allowed to cover, I would not cover them. I would, uh, I would, even if you're, if you have the right kind that you're allowed to cover, I wouldn't do it anyway. I like to let that heat escape. So uh, generally speaking, these recessed can light fixtures have a little thermistor in them that if they overheat, uh, the light bubbles start blinking and they'll just turn themselves off. But I don't like to have any insulation, regardless of the type of recessed fixture, uh, covered with insulation. So I would stay away uh, from them, even if they are approved to be covered. I just don't think it's worth it uh, to... uh, uh, to, to risk any kind of a fire or overheating uh, situation. Let's see, Steve, uh, Stephen, on uh, line one, you're on the air. Hi. Good afternoon, Ken. Are you enjoying this Saturday before the next Polar Express? Yeah, I, I, it's not supposed to just get cold and not snow, am I right? I think that's accurate, but that can always change, of course. Yeah, I know, I know. You, you kind of raised an issue we haven't remember talked about. But, you know, Bernoulli is a great therapy because that's what makes airplanes fly. That's right. High pressure on the bottom and a low on the top. Anyway, house current of the last six. Weird deal. The orientation is 330-150 mag heading. And whenever the wind blows, number one, I collect all kinds of confidential trash blowing in. I mean, people's medical records, bank records, (laughs) stock records records. Crazy stuff. But no $100 bills, I'm assuming. No, but, you know, I'm being a good guy. I just tear it up and throw it away. But anyway, a few years back, you know those happen windows that a lot of the builders put in? There's one on the southeast side, and we had one of those high wind days, I don't know, 60, 70, maybe just 80. The cotton-picking thing blew out because of low pressure area on the southeast side. I've never had that happen. The glass blew out? The glass blew out, not in. Oh, my gosh. And so, of course, it was a month with plywood in there to get a $1,200 window that doesn't do anything besides look nice. Yeah. I've never heard that. uh, That is crazy. Yeah. Um, It is crazy. And, you know, I I was kind of thinking about your stuff on popcorn ceilings. Pretty much everybody around here, including us, over the last few years has gone ahead, hired a contractor, gotten rid of those popcorn ceilings because that's just not the model mode anymore yeah so and i agree with that but uh, i think for people that are going to be there a while hopefully probably best to eliminate the popcorn ceiling and i think you're correct to hire a contractor to do it yeah (laughs) you're in a different mode i was you know people people want to know can i do it myself and the answer is yeah you can you can wet it down and scrape it off but should you probably not but there are companies you're right around that will do it and know how to how to handle it no you're in but it's not it's not inexpensive it's uh no. it's not cheap last, yeah last passing thought as you know i've been kind of researching this business on ev lithium uh, battery fires oh yeah and so i got a couple calls back since we've talked last and you know i would have thought 
the majority of the lithium battery fires on EVs would be in crashes, and I would be wrong because I got calls back from one guy I've known for a long time, who's a battalion chief here, CSFD, and another call from one of his colleagues. And it turns out that upwards like 90% of these lithium battery fires are cars charging in the garage. Uh-huh. Yep. So then I'm asking him, well, what do you do? Because there isn't, doesn't seem to be a protocol. He says, all we can do is get them outside and let them burn. I'm going, this is bizarre because most of the time, if that happens, you're going to be inside. Smoke detector will probably go off, but that doesn't mean you're not going to have a substantial amount of structure damage. And so I'm, I'm thinking, I do not understand why there is not some type of battery temp sensing and battery overcharge sensing to shut the damn thing off automatically when the parameters exceed it. I just think I don't kind of well, I can't imagine that there isn't, but sometimes it's just spontaneous. You know that uh, if you if you're down I've read also read Steve if you're down South Florida places like that and you get a little salt water uh, in there, of course, salt is an electrolyte and conducts electricity. That can lead to these fires. If you go on, I, 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 lately I've seen several of these videos on YouTube about lithium battery fires, electric scooters, electric wheelchairs, those kinds of things. You'd never buy an EV because they just burst into flame without notice. And like you say, 6,000 gallons later, the fire department can't put it out. And so, there's even reports of a like car crashes when there's a lithium battery fire in like a a Tesla kind of thing, that a week later they can burst into flame again just spontaneously. So it's the whole thing well, is crazy. Uh, yeah, it's it, crazy. This is what I don't understand. I mean, it a lot of uh, fun jets use lithium batteries, most all the Boeing's and Airbuses, and they have battery temperature sensing. They have overcharge indicators and a way to shut the thing down when it's not working. And right now. The EV vehicle batteries do not, and I'm going. Wasn't oh, that this the is not a good thing? Wasn't that the rub on approving the, um, the 787 for certification? Correct. Yeah, correct. They had to correct that. No, I I agree. If you know that there's a reason. If, I don't, is this still the case? If you order something from Amazon that has a lithium battery in it, it has to have a big sticker on it, and you can't ship it by air. Am I right about that, Steve? I I that used to be uh, the case. I'd have to I'd have to re-verify, but yes, it's considered it has some material. Yeah. And it may have to go by truck. Well, there's a reason number 1,206 and 1,207 why I'm not going to buy an EV. So let's put it that way. Anyway, yeah. Can you picture, you know, a, a big viaduct in Cleveland in the middle of a blizzard at 5 o'clock at night? You're running your heater and your EV, and there's like 80 of them behind you on this uh, viaduct, and they all run out of power. And how are we going to uh, – it's just endless to think of all the it's scenarios. I need to run to a break, but I want you to listen. After this, I've got a, another Bernoulli story that I would like to share with you in the audience. I think you'll get a kick out of it. We're going to be right back right here. Thanks, Steve, for the for the call as always. And uh, we'll be right back right here on Around the House. Stick around. I want to talk to you about the Above the Rest Garage Door Company. If you're like me, you take your faithful garage door for granted, and you shouldn't because sometimes it doesn't want to work. And in the morning when you're late for a meeting or a doctor's appointment and you get trapped at home, you don't want that to happen. So give them a call, 719-499-0491. Ask them about the Premier Membership Program. This is an inexpensive way to ensure your garage door is always there for you when you need it. They'll come twice a year, do a tune-up, 
including lubrication, nuts and bolts, getting them tightened and adjust the springs if they need to. Just tweak everything so it operates safely and as it was designed so you don't get stuck at home some morning. They've been doing this uh, almost 30 years at Above the Rest, so give them a call. When you sign up for this, they'll waive the 150 trip fee for an emergency visit. So give them a call. Your garage door will thank you for it to get on the membership program with Above the Rest Garage Door Company. 719-499-0491. That's 719-499-0491. Got a fix-it problem at your house? Ken Moon is here to help. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Hey there, seven minutes before the hour. I promised to tell you a Bernoulli story, and, and uh, Bernoulli is a guy, I can't remember his first name, probably Murray or who knows what it was. And anyway, he he came up with the concept when there's a, a fluid, high-velocity fluid, whether it's it could be water or, or air or gas or anything, there's lower pressure inside a fast-moving uh, fluid. And so that creates a, a vacuum or suction. And like Steve said, it keeps airplanes flying and that kind of thing. Well, there's there's some stories from old England and back in the 18 I guess uh, 30s and 40s when train travel started to become uh, very popular mankind had never moved that quickly before you know we just had either you walked or you rode a horse kind of idea all of a sudden mankind drive traveling on trains was moving at 40 miles an hour plus which is the fastest humans had ever moved before on trains well the problem is they forgot about mr bernoulli so daniel bernoulli thank you for that i appreciate it, it wasn't murray after all but anyway uh, so what happened was what we call railroad sway all of a sudden we had two tracks near each other and trains would pass so their combined speed was maybe 70 80 miles an hour and the cars would start getting sucked into each other. And it was very scary for passenger cars because they would sway into each other, look like they were going to collide. I'm not sure they ever scraped together, but it was a, they forgot about Mr. Bernoulli, so they simply moved the tracks uh, farther apart, and it went away. So that was an interesting kind of anecdote of uh, how that process works. We, this all came up because we were talking about low pressure in an attic when the wind's blowing, uh, sucking the... Uh, uh, sucking the uh, uh, attic access panel, vibrating it, and making it go uh, up and down. Thank you. Died in 1782. Ah, long time. But this is a guy that, uh, so you know, if you look at a perfume atomizer, that's exactly how that works. You blow air, uh, creates low pressure, and the perfume comes out the other end, and nobody cares about this. I'm probably getting too detailed on this. But anyway, it is, it's a concept that is in our daily lives, like so many of these things that we've discovered along the way 719-473-1240 milt says we've lived in our house over 10 years since day one there's been a musty odor in the family room we've covered the crawl space in plastic what else uh, can we do well all right let's kind of analyze this a little bit just because you covered the crawl space with plastic doesn't mean that it's perfectly dry there's always a little moisture working its way from the soil underneath up to the surface when it hits the plastic it condenses so you want to i would fold the plastic back milled and see if there's it's a little damp and cool on the underside uh that 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 could be part of the problem if if you've got carpet and pad in your family room there's a little what we call transpiring transpiration of moisture vapor coming up through it uh also 
So the cure for a musty smell is almost always more uh, ventilation. Uh, it, it, that's almost the answer. So, uh, you, you know, I don't know if you uh, want to do some mechanical ventilation. You can blow air uh, through the crawl space and let it blow out through the crawl space vents. Uh, you can test the theory uh, by p- uh, hanging a box fan in the crawl space entrance and let it suck. Now, this can get a little expensive in the wintertime because you're sucking heated air out, but just test the theory by blowing some ventilated air through there uh, and see if the smell goes away. Uh, uh, and that that could be part of it. Make sure, you, know, you didn't say where your furnace and water heater are. If your furnace is in the crawl space, it can be getting its source air from the crawl space, which again is mustier than the rest of the house. Uh, so you might check with your furnace uh, guy or dealer or technician and see if there's some combustion air that they could suck in from somewhere else uh, to satisfy the furnace and not get cross musty crawl space air in uh, uh in mixed in with your house air now we can always uh do a little better job with foundation moisture getting water away from the house even melting snow in the winter time can and can that saturate that soil and you can have mud and water issues ponding outside the house so check that out also to make sure that there's plenty of drainage and not water accumulating uh on the outside uh, of your uh, of your foundation uh, particularly where the crawl space is quickly steve said i tested for radon but only used one container now i'm wondering if i should have used two or more you always need verification always t- uh, you want to verify uh, with two containers. Uh, so go get a couple more at Home Depot or wherever you got them from uh, and uh, make sure that you that they are close to each other, that there's a minimal percentage difference, and it'll say in the directions what that percentage difference should be. Uh, you got to have two, Steve. Otherwise, you don't know if, if the single one is accurate or not. All right, that's all she wrote for the program for today. Chris Moyer, Matt McKinley, thanks in the control room for your help. A shout-out to our folks in Casper. I hope you have a wonderful week. Stay warm. God bless. We'll see you next time right here on Around the House.